Hello and welcome to Day of the Dad, the fortnightly podcast that delves into the whys, what's and what the arse of parenting. I'm Ed Wood and with me is my co-presenter Keith Stewart, author of the best-selling novel A Boy Made of Blocks. Hello Keith. Hello, hi. Hi. So, uh, and I should explain that we've had a little break for uh, quite a big reason. So last time uh, we spoke... I said we were going on a half-term break, and that was something like six weeks ago. I think so, yeah. That's the world's longest (laughs) half-term. So there's a reason for this, and that's because in this time, uh, me and my wife have had a baby. Yay, congratulations. Welcome to the world, Lois. (laughs) Give me some sleep. Uh, Yes, so um, obviously this was, uh, she was ever so slightly early, so it was slightly unexpected, though not really, I should have been prepared. Yeah, you should have been, you've had to experience. I, I have, I've done this once before and yet somehow always forget and uh, so that's why we're back now and what we're going to do with the podcast for the next few episodes uh, is something slightly different so previously we've always had guests um, but now we have live baby experience. So it's because Ed is so tired and crotchety. We can't we can't trust him in a small room <laughs> with <laughs> with people that we don't want him to be rude to. That is actually broadly true. <laughs> uh, and plus, the odds of me actually making any sense are quite slim. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, so for the next few episodes, we're going to talk about um, having a new baby, mm-hmm. what it means to have a new baby, what the heck I've been doing. Uh, Keith's going to ask me lots of questions, so I don't have to think too much. Uh, and then we and then we are going to have guests back again very very soon. Um, some fantastic guests. As soon as Ed's come out of tiredness quarantine. Exactly. So mm-hmm. so my little uh, little bed in the corner can be made up, so I can sort of <laughs> sleep here, waiting for the guests to arrive and wake me up from hibernation. Right. Um, so uh, and the other thing I need you to do is to remember that if you enjoy the podcast and thank you so much for listening, do support us by uh, going and reviewing online and sort of clicking on the subscribe button. Thank you very much. We do appreciate it. Uh, so yes. So baby things. But yeah. before that, shall we start with the week's news? Yeah, why not? Let's get that. Let's let's get that business attended to. <laughs> yes, we still do have business to do. <laughs> so uh, so the news this week. Uh, I have a story here from the Mirror, which is about a mum mm-hmm. uh, who says she does not regret a decision to have her baby's ears pierced at just four months old. Uh, despite other parents having strong views about it. So so she basically posted this video on Facebook of uh, her getting her ears, her baby's ears pierced. It went viral, her baby's screaming, she's putting a dummy in the mouth to, to make her feel better. And then, and then slightly strangely, the mirror says, many parents told the whole Daily Mail. So I'm guessing it's, it's, it's from Hull, not yeah. just not Florida or something, and the whole Daily Mail reported on it, uh, that they're against it. So, so she's been described as being abusive, for having done this. Right, okay. Uh, uh, whereas obviously some people are also supportive. Uh, mm. And she said, you know, the baby was fine after after a few seconds. She's now two and a half years old and loves having earrings. Yeah. Uh, so where do you stand on this? Well, it's complicated. I'm definitely not one for knee-jerk judgments against other parents. I feel like... Burn! Burn them! <laughs> I feel like there's too much of that. Um, but at the same time, I think... I know, like, body modification... I've, it feels like you know it's the child's body, not the parents, and I feel like it's like it's one. Of, I feel like it's almost like there is a consent issue here in that the child has had this decision made for her. Obviously, if she decides at a later point she doesn't want to have 
earrings, then she you know she can take them out and let the let them heal up. I had two I had two earrings actually in my left ear, and uh, I decided a while ago that maybe that uh, was what a age. I, oh, not I at it. four months. No, not at four months. No, I, was, uh, I think I was uh, 14 when I did it. 14. So. And was there a consent issue? Do you think your parents should have stepped in and said, Keith, uh, we're intervening here. You're not capable of making, making a rational judgment about this. You look like a dick. Well, <laughs> Take them out. As a, well, as a 14-year-old, I wasn't capable of, of making rational decisions about anything. So, But I snuck off to Watford Market and, uh, <laughs> and had it done at Watford Market without telling my mum and dad. Any, they, any infection? No, it was fine. It was fine. I had an, When I had my nose pierced a few years later, I got an infection from that. That was gross. I didn't <laughs> expect this story to go in this direction <laughs> so fast. So, yeah. So, um, I am, I'm really not sure. I don't think... I think it's very difficult to justify people having a massive moral objection to something. So, as a result of this story, there have been calls for the law to be changed. Much along the lines that you've said, to, to be three years old, to be the minimum age. Yeah, and there was a massive... This, so, this has come up recently in the news. Well, not recently, a couple of years ago. 2015, a mother organised an online petition to say that uh, child or infant ear piercing should be made illegal. And I think there was 30,000 signatures in a couple of days. So this is obviously a really emotive issue. I mean, for the record, I, I broadly agree with that. I, I think it's, it, it should be seen along, along other lines of doing very painful, needless things to your children. I think the word <laughs> abuse is too strong. I yeah. think uh, that's a very emotive word that shouldn't be slung around lightly. Yeah. But, um, but I do also th- I think... I think Possibly a little bit thoughtless and, and possibly a little bit cruel. Uh, yeah, um, I, I don't think it's something that should be done lightly. I think you've got to. You've got. I think as soon as you become a parent, you've got to be aware of your child's agency, your baby's agency as a person, and they're not something that belong. I mean, you know, in a lot of ways, they're not something that belongs to you. You're their parent and their carer, but you know, does their body belong to you? I think that's really. A difficult moral issue, but I, do, I certainly wouldn't have done it. I do also think there's a class thing here. I think, I mean, in the comment section of the mirror, there are people saying it's a chav thing to do that right. kind of thing, and yeah. I think we have to be a little bit, like you say, a little bit careful of rushing to judgment because. Uh, you know, we're thinking about here, but you know, if you think about other cultures, yeah, it I, can be quite normal. Exactly. I mean, South, South America, uh, you know, uh, is it's a it's a pretty standard thing to do. You know, it's ritualistic and cultural piercings go back hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of years. So mm. there can be like cultural. Although type. it doesn't necessarily mean. But it's once right. again, you're you know you know right. It's one of those ways that um, often parents use things. Uh, to make class judgments about other people, and this this you know appears to have been the case in this in in this instance. So yeah, I'm I'm always you, you often find that with these kind of like knee jerk reactions to moral questions, especially in newspapers, the it could, there can be underlying cultural judgments going on. Agreed. So, Agreed. Well, um, talk, talking about this, let's talk about, uh, let's do our little review spot for the week. Okay. Um, and we're, we're, we're playing slight catch up here because uh, I have been in, in, in baby den. <laughs> You're uh, doing that, yeah. But the, the irony is, so I had, I had a month off, uh, which we can talk about in itself, actually, yeah. how long people should take. But mm. um, uh, I did manage to get to cinema a couple of times and one of the things I saw was Wonder Woman. Yes. Which I'm hoping is still at the cinema when this goes out it seems like it's going to be at the cinema forever um, because it's doing so well brilliant well we both loved it right Mm, yeah yeah i thought it was amazing i took my sons to see it and um like i wasn't sure you know what there's so much um sort of gender with um kind of issues with like 
boys and girls and, and, and my sons I've always tried to encourage them because I really love comics and I've always tried to encourage them to read like Ms. Marvel and Spider-Gwen as well as like the, the male staples so I was really kind of nervous about taking them to Wonder Woman because I didn't want it, her to I didn't want the film to be bad and to put them off the idea of Wonder Woman as like an iconic character but I thought the film was brilliant and I loved I, um, I loved um, the lead actress's portrayal of the character I thought they did the backstory of Wonder Woman really really well I, was, I found the setting really interesting so I'm not afraid to say, I saw it in the week after our daughter was born in, in the stage where, and by the way, she's called Lois, so I say oh, a yeah. certain super... Yeah, know. yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, this the point where she was basically sleeping all the time, so it was kind of possible to go out and, and watch a film. Yeah. And uh, I'm not afraid to say I, I teared up a little bit at seeing such a, a powerful, strong female superhero at last on screen. Yeah, that was a really interesting... On Twitter, lots of women that I know said that they cried and I, I don't spent... know if I'd have done that before having a daughter I know that right, sounds yeah, very strange yeah uh, but there was something about I mean maybe I was over emotional I almost certainly was yeah yeah I, I know I think I think so I think it was just I think it was so beautifully made as well and it was such a celebration of the character and, and what I liked about it was that it wasn't there, it wasn't a cynical film like she her character is all about kind of love for humanity and she was driven by this need to protect people and it was a really different kind of moral uh, slant on heroism joyous I yeah think. likewise likewise by the way I should explain that if you can hear some bangs and crashes in the background it's not because Keith's falling over boxes <laughs> uh, it's the uh, the rubbish lorry has arrived outside later than normal. So normally we would sh- uh, schedule schedule around it, but um, today they've decided they want to be part of the podcast. That's fine. That's okay. That's all right, isn't it? <laughs> so, so a big thumbs up from us for Wonder Woman. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we should say it's a 12A. Yes. Um, now, how old are your kids, Keith? Mine are 11 and 9. And they were okay? They were okay in Wonder Woman, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I've taken them to a lot of films recently, and 12A is really, really... Uh, there's a massive scale with, with that age rating because obviously all the Hollywood studios want to get all of their big budget action movies and uh, superhero movies into the 12A category because it massively widens the amount of people that can go so for at one end you've got things like Wonder Woman which I was reasonably non-violent although there were kind of scenes of violence but it was very much kind of comic book violence and at the other end we went to see Fast and the Furious and that felt to me like that was really pushing it and I felt like maybe that should have been a straightforward 12 or a under a 15 but it, it was yeah it's a really wide thing uh, we had a, well, a friend of ours had to take his daughter out of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 because it was just too scary hmm. so yeah, yeah it's tricky just, I mean I mean, the advice really would be if possible go and see the film before you take your kids to see it to see yeah. how, whether you think your kids will will enjoy it and be able to cope with it. But then you're you're dub- almost doubling the cost of going to the cinema, which, which is not bad true. enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless, yeah. Yeah, unless you've got a nice independent seminar. And and then the key thing with uh, Wonder Woman is that it promotes positive image of of women to young girls. That's been a hugely positive thing. The other thing I wanted to mention was a book that uh, has been raved about. It was published in March called Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls mm-hmm. uh, by Eleanor Favilli. Uh, published by particular books. So this is a a correction, essentially, uh, to... And that makes it sound very serious. It's not. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Um, It's great bedtime reading. Uh, But a correction to the fact that so many stories are about men doing heroic things Mm -hmm. through history or in fiction or whatever. 
And this is exactly the opposite. This is about how women can be spies and explorers and astronauts and, and it's, scientists. And it's women from history, isn't it? It's not that's like right. stories. So no, when it's stories right. about um, um, yeah, from historic yeah. figures. Yeah. So, so it's kind of um, promoting this positive image for young girls. I mean, actually, I should say... The, there's been this idea that it should be for girls, but I think it it should be something that boys definitely read as oh, well. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. I don't think we should limit it to uh, any one gender. No, definitely not. Like, I, I think you know, it's, re- it's really important. And what you often find during your education, especially in my era... All the famous scientists you hear about, all the famous artists, uh, you know, tend to be tend to be male, and I think I think the patriarchy starts in the womb, and uh, you know when a ba- when a baby hang on, hang on. <laughs> hang when a baby on. is born, patriarchy starts in the womb. Let me explain that. What I mean is that children, as soon as a baby is born, they are they they are put into a society which depicts the well, genders in a certain way. Well, that's not in the womb, is it? So we have to go back and rewind this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, they probably the baby can probably hear that um, most people. If you if you have the television on, most experts on the television are male. Most experts that are interviewed on the Today program okay. are male. Okay. Those voices will be those voices will be <laughs> detectable. So if you're standing too close to Nigel Farage, for example, <laughs> then that might seep through the uterine lining. <laughs> And promote the patriarchy. It's getting far too medical. What I mean is that it's really important to expose both girls and boys to the idea that it isn't just men's opinions, even though you're listening to a podcast with two men, that it's important to understand that society is made by men and women and gender minorities. Absolutely. And and, and the producer of our podcast is a woman. Yes. Hello. Hello. See, there are women in the room. (laughs) Yeah. And maybe the bin men weren't men. They were bin ladies. Yes, maybe they were. Or, yeah, exactly. So, look, let's move on to the uterine lining. No, mm-hmm. let's, let's move on to, um, to having babies. Mm. Because um, we, we've obviously talked about this recently with our guests, mm. with, um, with your mumsy mum, with uh, Matt Coyne, Man vs. Baby, and, and so on. Um, but our own experiences, it's fair to say, were, were some years off at that point. Yeah. Uh, now, not so. Now you're fresh into it again. I am fresh into Did it. Did you recall anything from the first time that was useful to you this time as a Interesting. <laughs> so I think the single most useful thing is that you get, you get the perspective that everything actually goes by very quick. Because mm-hmm. I think uh, having a newborn is uh, incredibly stressful. It's really stressful. And I don't think people actually tell you how stressful, truthfully. Or maybe it's just very hard to hear because you're like, well, yeah, but what is it really like? Uh, But actually, birth is stressful. Mm. Having a newborn is very stressful. Sleep deprivation is horrific. But all of those things go by quite quickly. And when you've got uh, nearly seven-year-olds, I have, and, and, you know, you've got older kids as well, it all recedes into the past quite fast, and particularly those first 12 weeks, in, as they call it, the fourth trimester, mm. uh, goes by extremely quickly. So it seems like yesterday she was born, but actually we're coming up to six weeks. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, so as far as any, you know, as far as, you know, epidurals, whatever, I, don't want to, I wouldn't want to be too specific, because I think those things are different in every scenario and for every person. But I think the one thing every parent needs to remember is how quickly that first bit goes yeah for good yeah. and for ill actually yeah. I think yeah no, I think I mean did you feel with the second child because with the first one we with um, my son Zach 
we were just worried about everything. Like when we we yeah. were worried that we weren't supposed to have because we mm. never really we were supposed to wait for a consultant to see us before we before Zach left the hospital, and that never kind of transpired. And in the end, we just sort of said, "Look, is that okay if we go?" And the nurses were sort of dillying over, dilly dallying over it. And in the end, we kind of left with him. And it was so from the Wait, very beginning, you we stole were, your own child. So we stole our, we effectively kidnapped our baby. But it wasn't. But it was just kind of. It was very ambiguous. We and then pissed, sure. is it? And so we were worried. Yeah, and we were worried about that. And when we got home, I can remember when we he got home and he, he we put him on a pillow for him, for a, for, a, for a minute in the living room. and He fell asleep on it. And then we were worried. Oh my goodness, is this bad for his back? Mm. And we actually rang my sister up. Uh, I think at like 11 o'clock at night say, um, so our son has just fallen asleep on the cushion. Is that okay? And she was just laughing at us. Yeah. Like, you you yeah. don't, do, do not worry about this. But that's, that's what's brilliant. I mean, we've straight away gone off piece because what we're meant to be talking about today is sort of antenatal stuff. Yeah. So oh, pre, yes. pre-birth. So just to explain, what we're going to do is this episode, we're going to talk about pre-birth, so antenatal. Then next episode, we'll talk about birth. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, we'll talk about exactly that, what happens when you get home and what has happened when I got home. Um, and so on. So that's what we're going to do. But of course, it's very hard not to wander into what, what, yeah, exactly. your sister laughing at you. <laughs> Most of my stories will end like that. So so did you, had you had a lot of pre but had did you have a birth plan because so, so go on yeah what? i mean we did the we did the ntc um we did uh, like you've got a choice really of doing the ntc or the nhs does um prenatal classes as well and we only went to one of those and there it was a lot of people it was about 30 or 50 people in a room it gave us very kind of good information about childbirth and the process but it didn't really feel that personal so we started ntc classes and we went to about sort of 12 13 14 of those but they're not cheap, are they, NCT? No, no, not. You do have to pay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, ours was obviously 10 years ago, so I don't know what the rate is now. It was a lot. It was £300. £300. Right. Uh, for, I want to say, something like eight weeks, mm-hmm. which is a lot of money. A lot of money when you're basically going to meet people. But I do, I do think uh, what cannot be... Uh, overstated is how useful it is to have other people around you yeah. that are having babies at the same time. That, and I think that is the, for us, that was definitely the most valuable thing about, NT, about NTC because you, even if you have a great support work and lots of friends and relatives who have had children or uh, I think having a group of people who are going through exactly the same as you at exactly the same time is incredibly valuable. Well, it's kind of replaced the extended family. It takes, yeah. you know, it takes a village, blah, blah, blah. So what we found ourselves doing was, uh, and, and especially for my wife, Katie, you know, being able to text WhatsApp people and say, oh, have you got this? Oh, yeah, we've got that. Isn't it awful? Isn't it painful? Whatever, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's incredibly helpful. It's almost like going through puberty again mm. because you're a bit like, am I meant to have hairs there? Yeah, and yeah. then everyone's like, yeah, I've got hairs there. Yeah. You know, but in puberty, you don't do that. Whereas an adult, does that make yeah, sense? You're yeah, squinting definitely. a bit at me. No, yeah, no, I just, um, I just do, do want to go back to puberty. Uh, it's okay, you uh, don't have to. Yeah, no, that is, we're not doing big, <laughs> the film big. Yeah, that'd be bad. Um, no, it, yeah, exactly. And also just having people to go like take the baby out with like my uh, we were we um we used to uh, we did our ntc classes in bath and there was a theater in bath called the egg theater and they had a nice cafe there which was designed for parents with babies and that's a place where you could park all your prams and sit down and have a coffee because i think one of the things uh, for young parents is also it's also that can be isolating you know you are looking after a child 24 hours a day a baby and you can feel you can start to 
you start to forget what it's like to have a conversation with adults and I think that's another good thing that about into you know having that support group of, mm. of people is that you can go out with them and I have to say I think I, I you know I think we're incredibly lucky uh, not you me mm-hmm. uh, me and Katie are very lucky because we live in London and, and actually there's huge amounts of provision mm. for new parents in London um, possibly, possibly there's just so many people that you can keep putting on classes and think because there'll always be an audience for it I don't know and there's yeah. funding uh, but you don't live in London. I wonder if it's a bit harder outside London to find stuff like that. Yeah, there's less. Cert- yeah, definitely, there's less certainty, and I think it's really valid. I think it's a really good idea if you're if you're uh, pregnant or about to have a child. It's a good idea to think about what you're going to do with your when your baby's born. Like, look up about uh, infant cl- uh, mum and baby classes or parent and baby classes. Uh, look up like what cafes can fit a pram in. Uh, you know, where would you feel comfortable uh, feeding your baby? Like being forewarmed and forearmed, I think is a really good idea. If you don't, if you don't live in London, and you know everything's going to be fine wherever you are. And, and there are some excellent books and excellent websites, and of course, so um, both for the podcast, but also because we're having a baby, we read quite a lot of books coming up, and, mm. and some were definitely more useful than others. Yeah, um, I mean, I found Matt's Matt Coin's book as a dad incredibly useful because. Uh, I, it, it, it's funny. What uh, uh, sorry, this is Dummy right, um, yeah. by Matt Coyne, uh, so who was a guest on the podcast. And um, I found that somehow, A, he was talking in a very beautiful, fond way about his uh, experience having uh, their baby. Uh, but also, it, it, it's so down to earth that it makes me think, oh, it's not this alien thing that no one does it's something everyone does and has a very similar ridiculous experience and I found that helpful uh, another one we found useful was how to grow grow a baby and push it out by Clemmy Hooper right um, I personally found the idea of pushing a baby out very useful uh, but um, okay. Clemmy is uh, a midwife and of course the, the whole NCT thing and all of this stuff it has been midwife led and actually I found the whole um antenatal experience was essentially one that's nowadays led by midwives mm. um you don't get that kind of doctor thing like in the u.s you know you you watch an episode of friends or something very up to date i know but we watched a lot of friends right uh when when the baby arrived um but you watch an episode of friends or something and they're always talking about their um uh pediatric doctor or obstetrician whatever yeah uh, but actually what you mostly see what what pregnant women mostly see is midwives yeah um, which can be a slightly strange experience as a dad, I have to say, because really you're you're just a hanger on in that yeah that, that experience, and you're there nodding and smiling and, and writing stuff down, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's it. Yeah, well, I remember we were we were uh, visited by uh, like several midwives during the first like six weeks. And it is like you ha- we had a midwife and an assistant come quite early on, and uh, um, and yeah, you are you're outnumbered, but I think it's really important to be involved in every single discussion and point of view and because there's so much measurement involved isn't there in the first six weeks I forgot you get the red book don't you do yeah. they still do that yeah we've got the red book The red. Yeah. see I like the red book again we're veering into birth now oh yeah we're going to have to but yeah, we have to well, reverse. But but the red book is a, is a great thing, I think, because this is where uh, for people who maybe don't have kids and are listening, uh, or, or or they're way beyond it. Um, the red book is where all the medical details of the baby are kept. So the hospital put all the stuff in there. The midwife, the health visitor, so immunizations, all that stuff's in there. Weight, size, exactly, and it's in the parents' hands. And that I quite like that. There's something very old fashioned. I bet you it goes and it's all electronic. Soon. It's got to be an 
nap. Yeah. It's probably going to be a nap, uh, possibly with adverts and sort of crossy road yeah. on it as well. <laughs> Gamification. The of gamification of children. Have you reached 30 inches? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, let's leave that there. Okay, so yeah, so yeah and the, I mean, it is like it feels to me we were talking a little bit about class issues again. And does, mm. is the NCT, is that a little bit middle class? Because it, I, mean, it I, I think you know the answer to that yeah. question. Originally, it was the national, it was the natural uh, birth. Uh, trust wasn't it? It was the MB. It was the Natural Birth. I did not society. know that. Yeah, so it was. So there is. I don't think there's an agenda there now, but it was. No, I think there probably still is an agenda. And we had a fantastic teacher who I don't think did have an agenda, but I've definitely heard the contrary from from other parents who have done it very recently. Um, I, I think the NCT is a great thing in many ways, but it, uh, it's definitely pro breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, you have a, a session on breastfeeding. Uh, which was useful, uh, but they don't tell you at all how to make formula or how to give a baby formula. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I personally think would be quite a useful thing to tell parents, given that the vast majority give up breastfeeding after about a month. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think actually things like knowing how to mix formula, storage of formula, would be useful, and they should probably include that. Um, uh, they are quite big on... Uh, sort of medical free childbirth so I, I'm not saying pain free because mm. no childbirth is pain free but uh, uh, they believe in being as natural as possible so women walking around uh, using gravity um, mm. by by walking around um, not necessarily having epidurals and caesareans yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, depending on which teacher you get and ours was very even handed I have to say but um, not all are I believe from mm. from many ours, other ours, from, was, ours was yeah I mean, and, and from one previous, well, you know, from my first, from my son, actually, the, the one then was not quite so even-handed, and was def- definitely sort of anti-medicalisation. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, and I, th- I think that can vary from person to person. Our our um, our NCT uh, leader was, uh, she was, she definitely told us about all the pain medication and about all the pain. About all the well, the, all the like she t- we were talking about um, epidurals, uh, gas and air. Um, but she did go. Tr- she did try to go through some sort of natural pain uh, relief. Uh, the t- tens machines, obviously, that they yeah they they told us a lot about, uh, which for which for more I get, uh, my wife at certain stages were kind of reasonably helpful, but some people just get nothing from them at all. I don't yeah. know if you use the tens. We we did right. Uh, Are we going into birth? We're going into birth. Next time, Keith. Okay. Uh, But uh, the one thing I did want to touch on, so one of the things they encourage you to do is to pack the bag early Mm. and to get a birth plan ready. Yeah. So we didn't pack our bag early and then almost had a had a fright. We had a sort of, oh my God, have the wards broken? No, they haven't broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, which actually um, someone else had too and, and seems to be more common than we thought. But it was that kind of thing like, oh, okay, right. We're really not ready here. And you sort of realise that you're going to hospital without any baby clothes, um, any yeah. nappies. You know, suddenly it's like, oh, okay, actually you do need to be slightly prepared a few weeks in advance. Yeah, yes, but, yes, but I think... Um, Especially with the, the second is more likely to arrive early, I've heard. Even though our second was, was very late and had to be induced, pa- apparently second is more likely to arrive early. I have heard that too. I mean, this was Katie's first, so, right. oh, uh, yeah. so therefore... So it's your second, so it doesn't really affect... <laughs> no, no, I don't think with me it makes quite such a difference. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think better to... Uh, it's one of those things where you can be massively over-prepared, but given babies can come fully formed from 37 weeks... Yeah, probably best to start uh, thinking about it. Early. I think also like having a 
bag packed and ready is kind of symbolic as well. I think it kind of puts you in a, like we, we had the bag ready and it kind of puts you in the frame of mind that this is a thing that's going to happen. Yeah. And you can't and it run makes away. You feel, no, you can't run away from it. It's so it was very interesting, that process of having coming to terms with the fact that this is definitely a thing that's going to happen. And I think the bag's kind of symbolic of that. But also I think it's kind of reassuring that you, this is one thing that you have control of because I think birth is such... <laughs> A, what are you saying? Birth is a perfectly controlled procedure where uh, it's, it, it, a stalk arrives and gives you a beautiful, <laughs> clean okay. baby. We're running with that story, are we? Yeah. Um, because so much of it is chaotic and uncertain and worrying. And I think just having like certain elements of control, I felt like were really helpful. And having that bag packed in the, in, you know, in your hallway. Says, maybe not in thing. the hallway because I think they you trip over it on the well, way out well firstly that and the cats go and sit on it and it gets furry and then you've got to get out the little wheelie thing that you got in the supermarket to get cat fur off the bed <laughs> right. yeah you don't want this actually happened. happened you don't really you don't, you're, yeah, yeah. you don't want your journey to the hospital no, no, no. and being... we also discovered the cat had been sitting well we have two cats and one of them is white and very furry and he had been sitting in the uh, car seat that we took to get oh, got ready no. to go to the hospital with. So actually, this one, my one one of my strong pieces of advice is don't put the car seat for the baby in the hall so that your white cat can then sit in it and cover it with white fur so that then you're picking the fur out this when you're really, wanting to put your new baby in it. This is very specific advice for, for very no, small no, Very <laughs> important, very important. Um, and the other thing we, I mentioned was birth plans. Mm. Um, so we were very firmly encouraged to make birth plans. So that's what kind of pain medication you might have. Uh, and and uh, the dads are strongly encouraged to to keep the birth plan with them because actually the um, the mothers might not yeah be capable of doing that stuff when they're in great pain. Also, um, yeah, it's sort of whether you would want uh, water birth or exactly. whether you would yeah or at home or yeah. Yeah. or whatever. Uh, so we were pretty laissez faire on this. I think it's fair to say, which is probably quite a good way to be I think not a single one of the uh, group of parents from my NCT class went to their birth plan I don't think you know we wanted to go uh, you know we'll talk more next time but we had we had a couple of ideas of things we wanted and none of it happened yeah uh, we, had, we had a similar thing so I think it's nice to have yeah. It's nice. To, it's like thinking one day I'd like to be a, a, a fireman or an astronaut. <laughs> Again, it gives you a sense of it gives you a sense, oh, like a slightly false sense of security. But it's, again, it's, it gives you that sense that this is something that you're that you have under control that you can control. I think, uh, and that's uh, no bad thing. No, exactly. No, I, mean, I think you should maybe yeah. If you're not sure, you can just treat it like a rider at a gig. You know, say we want we want skittles, <laughs> we want the red ones taken out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we want whale music. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah, basically pretend you're Lady Gaga going into that hospital and say I want a sequin pillow yeah and yeah no I think that works that works so look what have we learnt this week about antenatal care I think I think now we should introduce our new jingle uh, <laughs> which me and Keith have been talking about extensively how to record it yeah they? yeah um, and I have persuaded Keith to sing it so what you're hearing is uh, me and Keith undoctored I uh, see our new jingle. Let's hear that. Three things we've learned. So there we go. Three things we've learned. Wow. Okay. So what? <laughs> what, three, what three things have we learned? So I think we have learned um, preparation is is really important. So uh, getting a, a bag together to take 
earlier than you would think. Yes, earlier than you think. Having that ready is a really good idea. Uh, there are a few books. I didn't get a chance to talk about the books that we read, which is uh, what to expect when you're expecting. So buy, buy a book is our number yes. two. But don't worry too much about, like, I. we did not read things like uh, The Contented Little Baby or Baby Whisperer. No, no, I would encourage not thinking about I think what to expect is helpful it's a bit American it is so the Miriam Stoppard books are a good <coughs> British equivalent I think. yeah or indeed just the NHS website I have to say is an excellent resource so um so do do some research whether it's going to NCT whether it's looking on the NHS website whether it's going to a local community college or, or you know the yeah. Scott class whatever so do some research get a bag together I, I, I would I would I would say as well well if, I was going to argue uh, about number then. three I okay. think number three is don't leave your car seat in the hall for your white cat to sit in because do not underestimate how long that white fur takes to pick off when you're in a an hospital room. talk about cats again I love my cat I would say I would say if you don't do NCT Get on Facebook and find, or go to do an NHS class, get on Facebook and find uh, groups because it's really, really important after you've had a baby to have people around you that are in exactly the same situation as you because it's massively... I agree with that. I agree with that. Or I will park the uh, car seat one and we'll say find people around you, do some research... And get a bag, get ready, a bag and, a, and a birthing plan, even if you're not sure it will ever be used. It's and it symbolic. probably won't. Yeah. It's symbolic. <laughs> Trust the symbol. Yeah. Like, like the bat symbol. Just like literature. Okay. Look, thank you very much for joining us, everybody, for Day of the Dad. Um, I hope you didn't mind just listening to me and Keith this week. Um, don't forget that if you did enjoy it, to go and review and subscribe and all those funky things. And we will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye bye.